This is The Butterfly Club, a hilariously honest podcast dedicated to uncovering the challenges of postpartum and the wild adventure of motherhood. Join us as fearless moms share intimate stories and unfiltered advice in a safe and supportive space. Hey mamas, welcome to the first episode of The Butterfly Club podcast. So since it's the first episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background. Uh, My name's Megan Stander. I'm an ex-CEO turned entrepreneur, and I'm a mom of two toddlers. I have two little girls. One is three and a half now, and one is just turned two. So I'm busy navigating my own metamorphosis into motherhood still, and um, I thought it would be perfect to have our first guest be my best friend, Chelsea Ledson. And she's a registered nurse with her master's and she specializes in women's health. But she is also the founding member of the original Butterfly Club, which was actually kind of a a fake secret society that we started in high school. But we'll talk about all of that. I think we should just get right into it. So so just for the record, Chelsea is... uh gonna drink wine in her car <laughs> because I told her that wine might be involved for this podcast and of course I haven't mentioned it since and I have I don't have my wine but Chelsea has wine in hand <laughs> well wine bottle actually that's like definitely two weeks old but you know what I knew what my homework was so I'm ready I'm in the passenger side of my car away from my family and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're in the passenger side, then if anything happens, you have to, you know, if you need to like quickly evacuate your your house, you're going to have to change seats. Well, I threw my keys on the lawn. Right. How is that going to help you? Well, because (laughs) so if the cop comes in my driveway, you can't say I'm drunk driving because the keys are on the lawn. Right. Oh, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. No, that, That would be, yeah, that would be weird. I'm guessing your car's in the driveway and not the garage. (laughs) Yeah. So you're not just like sitting with your your bottle of wine in the driver's seat. That's what I'm trying to avoid here. Yeah. I was actually going to call you the the co-founder, but I I think that you were the true originator, right? Yeah. I mean, as much as anyone can found anything in ninth grade I'd say I was the original founder I just you know leaned back in high school and was like Megan let's make a secret club and you just co-signed it immediately and I don't think you knew I was going to involve your mom or kidnapping students at midnight or putting butterfly bags on their head but you know what it worked out and it was it's a that's funny because I actually thought that I didn't actually know that that you came up with it in that moment in history class. Like I thought that you had already maybe come up with this idea, uh, nurtured it a little bit, but but it was really just at that, that moment. <laughs> Remember, well, we had a really gross, mean history teacher. He was old. I don't remember his name. Well, I, we won't but... mention his name. <laughs> But he'd always just say inappropriate stuff and he was just like taking his days off till retirement. And so I just always had like a whole hour to just like daydream. So maybe that whole hour in class, I was just like 
what sounds fun? And then I was like, I need friends. How can I get friends? I'll just kidnap them. And then I was like, who's my only friend that will help me kidnap people? And it was you. Okay, so so that's that's actually a really great starting point here because I was thinking about, you know, what to name this podcast and what felt appropriate and you know, that and why I even liked the Butterfly Club <laughs> to begin with. And it was along the same lines of like, I need friends. <laughs> How do I get friends? <laughs> and you know, but I think that that, you know, then tying this in with motherhood and postpartum and wanting to create, you know, a community that of of moms were like, you know, we can talk openly about our struggles, which is, you know, what we do anyway, we do it anyway. But I just think that some of these conversations are so helpful and so meaningful. So like, why not share it with the world and thereby invite other people to join the butterfly club right absolutely because i feel like it's a mass conspiracy right like when you're married everyone's like oh my god you're getting married and it's like you're gonna join and only till you join the club then everyone's like oh let me tell you every bad thing there is about marriage like (laughs) what the heck you recruited me so hard to join this freaking club and now now we're spilling the tea and I feel like it's the same thing with babies it's like yeah oh my gosh get pregnant it's so great woohoo and then only secretly later you know you like confided them being like oh man am I the only one who feels this way and you like tell one person and they're like oh no (laughs) we all feel this way and you're like why didn't you tell me why didn't why doesn't anyone tell you what's gonna happen no they just they just want to hook you in I feel so it's so perfect to have what is said behind closed doors just out and open for everybody. Totally. And I think that, you know, like the Butterfly Club isn't really, we're, we're speaking metaphorically here because <laughs> in high school, what I was going to say is the Butterfly Club is not is not just for moms. It's also for newly pregnant people. And in high school, that was not the case. It was not, <laughs> it was not a freshman pregnancy club however I I do think that pregnant moms with their first child can benefit the most because that's kind of when you're in the dark I mean your baby's in the dark literally and you and you are you're also in the dark true true I think just to clarify for everyone the butterfly club was an imaginary club that I made up where basically me, Megan, and her mom, who's um, South African, has like a really thick accent, would go to these other girls' How houses. How is that relevant? Oh, because it scared the shit out of people. If you had some <laughs> random older lady shoving a back on your head and was like, I cannot do your mom's accent, but she'd be like, ah! <laughs> No one knew what was going on. Like, they were really stressed out. But we'd kidnap people <laughs> at midnight and with the mom's help, and she would drive us to secret location. And then I would, like, make everyone divulge their deepest secrets with, like, a whole ritual. I got really into it as, uh, you know, high school can. And I had 
badges and oaths and we had to burn our truths with a candle but basically the whole point was to kind of like form deep and meaningful relationships and then once you were in the club then you would help help us kidnap the next person and the next person and then we just create this funny little network where it didn't really matter what clique you were in in high school like if you were kidnapped in the butterfly club everyone was like down to tell the truth when you're in the butterfly club so that was the butterfly club and to this day i'm still really good friends with the majority of the people that i kidnapped so you know thank you (laughs) that was probably a a sentence that you didn't think you'd ever say (laughs) probably you've already remembered so many things about it like the 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 writing down the troops and th- and we were inside when we did that too. Like we were in my room lighting paper on fire. <laughs> Remember we all had to jump in the pool fully clothed. That was the end of the ritual. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, I, I, I must've really not liked that because I don't like doing, I'm not good with bodies of water. If you may have remembered. Um, I, I don't like jumping. I don't like jumping over them. I don't like jumping in, in them. That's peer pressure at its finest. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, we're pressuring everyone to, to listen to this podcast and, <laughs> jump in the pool fully clothed and become part of the butterfly club so anyways that's that's the that's the origin story and and it's an it's an epic one and I'm sure that there will be you know many other stories told related to it and 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 maybe some kept secret because you know we I where I I do need to preserve my own my own pride here (laughs) Well, no, that's that's Chelsea's laugh that that signifies that she does not plan on preserving anything. <laughs> Let's move on to motherhood, right? So you recently became a mom fairly. Well, it feels recent, right? But how old is your daughter? She's about a year and a half. What was becoming a mom like to you? For me, it was so interesting because I feel that deciding to, this is just personally how I feel. I always felt that to have fulfillment in life, I definitely needed a partner, but I didn't necessarily need a child. And I felt like depending on what boyfriend or partner I was with at the time, like heavily made me feel whether or not I wanted to be a mom, like if there was a certain partner I had and I could see myself raising a child with them, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's going to be my future. Or I, you know, I'd, I'd lean that way, but I'd also lean other ways where I thought, oh, maybe I'll just be more or less like single, you know, and just kind of date and build a business and influence children in some other way. Right, right. uh, Like my plan originally right before John Luke was to go to Mexico and open up like an orphanage (laughs) and help do like, I don't know, a 20 person. That that is so you. you (laughs) But, you know, because I was like, I don't necessarily need to have kids. Um, So then when I finally did 
be with my partner who I'm with, uh, John Luke. He was my my love of my life, like since fifth grade. I was like, I'm marrying this guy and having his babies, like I told everybody. But you know, it took him like 20 years to get on that bandwagon. But <laughs> <laughs> when he did, I'm like, okay, dude, either I'm building this orphanage in Mexico or I'm marrying you and having a kid. Like that's it. And um so it was kind of a huge transition and one where I was honestly very set with being single kind of right before he entered my life. And then when we, we were going to get married and um, we had the date set and we were planning it. And I went to like, uh, I, I'm a nurse. So I went to my like fertility gal and I said, Hey, you know, I've been on like an IUD, um, you know, hardcore birth control since I was like, you know, a teenager. Uh, we were thinking about having a kid maybe six months after our wedding. Should I like take it out? Like da da da. And she said, well, yeah, like technically you could take it out and get pregnant, but realistically it's going to take a few cycles for everything to even out. And if you kind of want to have a baby, sometimes it takes like, you know, a while. So I took my birth control out like a couple months before my wedding thinking it was just to like regulate or whatever yeah like full of shit man I got pregnant like boom like get my freaking period nothing like the first time we had unprotected sex I literally like I like turned to John Luke and I was like I'm pregnant and he was just like okay crazy girl and I was like no dude like um, no way you did you called it oh like I mean not to not to be too much TMI but like in the BTMI BTMI <laughs> mid-coitus I was like John Luke I'm pregnant and he was like okay you know like psycho woman and so I knew I knew right away and I was like I knew it was going to take at least three weeks or whatever to get the pregnancy test but I knew right away and I kept telling John Luke hey like I'm pregnant this you know and he was just like okay I will wait for the pregnancy test and I was like no I'm pregnant and so by the time I that's crazy that's bananas well yeah and so here's the funny part this is like men versus women so GL's like I want a dog and I'm like well here's the deal either I'm pregnant and he's like "Uh uh-huh I'm like I'm "I'm pregnant so Uh (laughs) that wouldn't be the worst idea because we need to kind of now not travel so much and like we can transition into that life and he was just, and I was like, so if I'm pregnant, we can keep the dog. And he was like, oh, okay. And he, I was like, here, I'll take a pregnancy test. And so three weeks later, we're at the animal shelter. And oh, no. <laughs> a pregnancy test. And I Wait, was you took the pregnancy test at the animal shelter? Yes. Because, like, <gasps> no. And John Luke just thought I was kind of, like, being crazy. And I was like, bro. Why would you take it at the actual animal shelter? Because we were debating about getting the dog. And I was like, <laughs> dude, like, I can prove it to you. I'm pregnant. Like, this dog, I don't know. It was very symbolic. The dog. And so the- you whipped it out? Like, you just had it on hand? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was ready. I was ready. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this test. And boom. It was that's like-, like the ultimate. That's the ultimate manipulation is, like, carrying around a pregnancy <laughs> test with you. So that at any moment you can like prove, <laughs> prove your point. But yeah, I guess I get, well, cause it was also one of those things where I was like, when do I unveil this thing? And, um, 
And anyway, so that for me was the time. And John Luke was totally just like, what? You know, totally took him like, I had been prepped, you know, I had three weeks of knowledge. It took him probably mm, 48 hours to really like process. And then 48 hours, he was like, all right, let's get the dog. And so we like came back, got the dog, like John Luke had processed that he was going to be a dad. And then he was like super pumped and he was like, oh, we could like, you know, Father's Day was coming up. He was like, we could get the ultrasound pics and put it in like a card and then give it to your dad for Father's Day. And like, that's how we can tell them. And, and it was so great. Our wedding, you know, a few people knew, but not everyone knew at the wedding. Yeah, I remember I didn't know. And I found out that day. Exactly. So in our vows, John Luke referred to like us and like our baby or something and everyone in the audience was like what and then he like kissed my tummy and we were like we're gonna have a baby right at our wedding so it was like a very grand reveal um story I guess that's so sweet yeah so yeah I feel like yeah it was, um yeah yeah then I'm pregnant and what's interesting is again it was just like when I first knew I was pregnant it took GL a minute to catch up and then it's like during pregnancy it takes I feel in my situation it took my partner like longer to really get it like we are having a baby you are going to be a father like (laughs) yeah yeah maybe like one month before the baby was born he was like my my stomach got really big and he was just like oh shit like gotta finish (laughs) like (laughs) do the thing and yo okay because you know how cray cray I am right so I'm the person that knows like I I know what I want I know when things happen I was the person I took John Luke on our first date to a ring shop and I made him buy our engagement ring on our first date because I was like bro you either date me to marry me or like we're not doing this and so same thing with my labor and delivery. I freaking made him watch all the freaking videos, do all the Lamas classes. I had three Excel spreadsheets and like a little like blurb of like what to tell like the doctor's office and like a list of what to pack. And so like he was like already like pre-packed and like took his job super serious and he like made like a maternity playlist and we kept it a secret like the gender so when she was finally born it was like such a special moment because like oh so yeah you kept her, her gender like you guys didn't find out the gender or you kept it secret from everyone no we didn't know until she was born okay I, I think we should let's get into the birth story later because it. it is I feel like that story needs to be honored in and of itself because I remember after you had um, Layla, you know, I called you and, and you told it to me and it, it was, it was, it was epic and, and no part should be missed. Nice. Um, but okay. So you guys, you know, you're, you're, you get married, you find out you're pregnant and how was your, no, no, no. We got pregnant and then we got married. Sorry. <laughs> right. Sorry. Right. So everybody finds out at the wedding and then how, like, so you mentioned like you had six spreadsheets and I mean, you're the the most insane planner I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, 
you put professional planners to shame. So do you felt like you were prepared for motherhood? I was definitely prepared for birth um, as a labor and delivery nurse and as an Uber planner. Um, Motherhood? Maybe? I'll give it a maybe. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit more. Like, what what do you feel like you weren't prepared for? (sighs) Can you hear that lawnmower? Is this related? <laughs> well, I just don't want it to be like, tell this whole story. And it's like, <laughs> I'm trying to like hide from my family. And everywhere I go, there's just loud fucking noises everywhere. No, it's, um, I, I, you're good. You're good. Okay. All right. So, um, okay. Remind me again. Sorry. This is being a mom. You're like trying to do one thing and then you have to do another thing. So, okay, prepared. So here's what's really tough about it is I feel like if it was just, if you lived, I don't know, in this like dream world where all things were paid for and you just had to focus on you and your baby, then I feel like it would be easy. But the thing is, you're not just figuring out your kid, which is enough on one plate, but you have to still do all the things, all the adult things. You still have to work. You still have to do income. You still have to do the dishes. You still have a husband. You still have to have fucking sex. Like, you still have to have in-laws and your family and your friends and, oh, BT dubs. Like, I don't know. You could be like me and gain, like, 70 fucking pounds and then be like, great. Now I'm all into working out and eating my carbs. And it's just so much to manage And on top of that, everybody and their mama is going to have an opinion, you know, on like your style or whatever. So it's just like you're just trying to figure out how to keep yourself in balance. Mm -hmm. And that's hard enough. And then trying not to like be hurt by others or disappoint somebody um, is also hard. So no, I don't know how anyone, I mean, hats off to the person who's like, yeah, got that all in the bag. No prob. That's like 90% why I have so many spreadsheets and stuff. Cause it's like, I can't keep track of it all. Like, it's just a lot to conquer all at once. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess in that sense, like maybe you did all the planning that you could have done. Like for me, I don't think I did nearly enough planning. And for me, it wasn't so much like juggling all of the to do's, I guess it was more, I mean, kind of because like, one of the biggest shocks to me was that I didn't expect that I wouldn't really ever have time to get anything done. Like, at least like, I was in a rhythm of, you know, because, you know, it was, um, I was working from home a little bit already. And, and because of like the nature of my job, I didn't have like, you know, your standard nine to five or whatever, because I was running a company and my hours were pretty flexible. But because of that, I was also working while I was at home. And, um, you know, but it was one of those jobs where like, it didn't really feel like a job. It's just, you know, I would be checking my email and coming up with ideas and this and that and recording stuff and researching stuff. So 
that was like a normal part of my life. And then, uh, you know, as soon as I had a baby and especially, you know, for like the first three Mm -hmm. months, which is the, Mm -hmm. the nitty gritty of the postpartum, it was such a shock to me that like, I couldn't just like take 10 minutes to like quickly do something. It was like the baby was constantly (laughs) interrupting me. And I was like, wait, whoa, this is new. Like, um, and that was like, that was an, that was an adjustment like mentally because it was just, it was like, because it's permanent too it's not like (laughs) it's not like oh this is an annoying day I can't focus it's like oh my god like shit I need to completely rethink how to be productive and I was like okay like what's the hack for this you know (laughs) like there is no hack dude like you just have to wait and um and so but but then it was also just like you know related to that the entire responsibility of like my life is not just about me anymore it's about a baby and like everybody tells you that you know like you hear it but you don't really get it and like how do how will this affect my day today like that's a good question to ask yourself is like thinking about the day-to-day because I feel like when you're planning and prepping you're thinking I don't know you're thinking more about long term I guess or or I don't know, months ahead, but you're not thinking about like, how will having Mm -hmm. a small cretin that needs me constantly, how will that affect my day to day? And it's not really about what can I do? Because there's not much you can do. It's just like, picture yourself in the situation. So that when it happens, you're like, yep, yep. There is is no hack. You You just have to do it. And I mean, I feel like the only minor hack is depends a lot on who your partner is because I feel like even with my partner who is like literally such an unusual partner with the amount of help he provides like it's insane I think it's just like inevitable that you'll feel this huge workload imbalance because and it's not even your partner's fault again even if you have the most magnificent partner who like does every single diaper change, every single thing. Like Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to breast or I suppose you don't have to breastfeed, but for me, it was like, I have to breastfeed. I have to get up. I have to be awake every two hours around the clock for two months. And like, I am the one who has to like be pregnant. I am the one who has to go to all these appointments. I am the one who has to like, you know, put that stupid spray on your vagina every fucking two minutes in the bathroom that like stings and then like change your pad. And like every time, you know, do the stupid pre yoga video every day. And like, you are the one who like can't drink the alcohol and you're the one who like, there's so much right. feeling like you have to do so much. And even if your partner is doing absolutely everything you can, I think right. it's like inevitable to feel that they're, not sharing the same burden somebody somebody needs to write like you know you go Mm -hmm. you're pregnant right and you're going on google and you're like researching like best parenting hacks pregnancy postpartum like you're you're trying to learn right somebody needs to write a full-blown article on the fact that the number one parenting hack is having a good partner and the the sad thing about it okay let's actually let's not be like depressing here but if you're listening to this, you either 
already have a partner because you're already pregnant (laughs) and you already have a child and you're with that person. Or I guess you maybe don't have a partner in which case, well, you know, your next partner, what's the likelihood of them being involved in your postpartum? But I mean, I I guess you could have like a supportive um, family member or whatever. And that's, that's great. That's also a hack. You have an amazing mom who you can go back and forth with and she won't tell you what to do. And that, that's amazing too, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like that decision of like, who are you going to have kids with is not thought about enough, I think, and talked about enough. I think that Oh my God, like, Megan. Like, yes. what? Yeah. Yes. Like, this is what I tell everyone who's like, you know, the younger version of me. I'm like, every single thing you care about when you're dating, like, has nothing to do with choosing the partner you actually want. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And if your goal is to get married, and you want yeah. to have kids, yeah. like you need to be shopping for your postpartum support person. 100%. Because, you know, when you're younger, maybe you'll be like, oh, I wish he like makes, you know, he's really ambitious and interesting and, and takes me on great dates. And maybe he has like really, you know, a good gym routine and he's just so, you know, good looking. And maybe he's just wanting to like start his, his really interesting you know whatever the fuck they're doing like the things you're attracted to I feel before marriage it's like literally the exact opposite you're just like dude are you gonna be able to like look at my vagina the same after it's had a whole head pop out of it like are you gonna be there not just be there but like want to be there right sleep deprived take everything you're doing and put it like on hold and like you know, I don't know how to explain it, but almost nothing you care about during the courting phase is important anymore after you have a kid. Like what yeah. you prioritize and care about in a partner is like, you could give two craps about what they look like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, it's, and it's not just postpartum either. Cause okay. No. Like postpartum's rough, you know, and everyone it has a different story and, some are more rough and some are less rough and everything. And it's, it's a phase, but it's not forever, right? Eventually, you know, your baby hits six months and it, you know it's never smooth sailing and it's always going to be hard. And there's new challenges where old challenges leave, but parenting as a whole becomes your life, you know, right. like, and okay, not to scare anyone. You, you do get a lot of aspects of your old life back, but much of your day to day, which is your now, that's like your present moment, much of your day-to-day is highly effective by how you and your partner can be a team. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And here's my other like last two cents is even in the instance where you have the world's greatest mother or something or family member, there's also an odd power imbalance there where your mother raised you and you just can't change that power dynamic. Right. So Mm -hmm. clearly they have a way of raising kids. It's like the way they raised you. And 
if your your mother is the person who's heavily like influencing your family, they're sort of still in that same power dynamic. And right. if you really want to start like your own family, that's why having a partner is different than having a mother because it's like you two against the world as a team creating your own family versus still being in that like mother daughter relationship sort of just parenting another child in the family. I, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but it's a different role for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, yeah, definitely. It's better than nothing for sure, oh. but it's not the same. You can't, you can't like undo a, a, a bad teammate, you know, a bad like marital teammate, parenting teammate with like a great mom. It's true. It's true. And I guess my whole point too is, you know, that's the part you have control over, right? Like we all know mm-hmm. where we come from. We all know like it requires the other half. And so if that's the part you have control over, like you don't have control over who your mom is, but you do know who your partner is. And like maybe if someone just told you the secret of like, yo, make an article that says like actual things to care about when finding a life partner. Right. That would be like so much more helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like even our moms having been through this, I feel like they they sometimes don't even know to bring this stuff up or like there's so much like pressure when you meet someone and you're in love with them. And like, I don't know, like in my case, I felt like I think I think your case is maybe the opposite. But like in my case, I, I feel like not enough was brought up about, hmm, like, think about when you're choosing a partner, think about how they're going to parent. Like, it was very old-fashioned still. Like, you know, the boomer generation where they're like, oh, does he have a drinking problem? And, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. can he provide? And it's like, mm, does that stuff, like, okay, drinking problem matters. But, you know, is that, once I have those boxes checked, it, it, have I made it, you know? But it, it it takes time to, like, instill that into your, your child. You can't just, like, oh, they just met someone and now you're giving them the advice. Like, no, 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 no. You need to be giving them that advice, like, when they're still young so that before they even make the decision of, like, who they want to be with and what kind of, you know, potential partner they want to have, that they, they've already got that, like, ingrained in them. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of our mothers – you know what I mean? They might not know even, you know, a lot of people maybe from social backgrounds or whatever, where it's just like your duty is most important. And like, let's, it's not a, it's not a secret. Like women have been shafted for the majority of history. Like your job has just been like, take care of them, obviously like do it alone and suffer. And like, Totally. If that's kind of the norm, then maybe people aren't going to push having such a great partner because it's like that. I don't know how many people from other generations or cultures like that is a priority. I I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, it's like it's a new world order, dude. Like, yeah, you can have it so much better um, than so many women before us. And it's like, go after that because it's possible. I think that that's like part 
the initiation to and why there is such a shock of motherhood because at least in my experience like the word shafted (laughs) couldn't be like more appropriate um you're just like you you all of a sudden realize like how many unfairnesses there are and you're just like holy crap like this is real this is unfair and it can ignite a lot of anger a lot of unfairness again again you know that's of course when the partner comes into play again because things probably do feel less unfair and less like you've been shafted if you have a good parenting partner but um but like you know like i feel like you know growing up a woman in in modern society you, you, you know, there's like unfairnesses, right? Like you, you do experience them. You're kind of unaware of them, unaware of them when you're a little kid. Once you're a teenager, they get a little bit more intense. And then early adulthood and stuff, you kind of start realizing you, you start putting things together. Like the, you start putting the feeling with like the why, and then you realize like the sort of cultural reason why you're having those feelings. So for example, let, let's, cause I'm getting kind of like <laughs> mad here. So like, for example, um, a common occurrence when I was a little girl and, and actually also, well, main, mainly when I was in my adolescence is like, I'd be in conversations in groups with other, either men, my age or, 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 you know, men older than me, my parents age, whatever. And, I would have a contribution to the conversation and I would voice it. I would say something and it would get ignored. It's like I, and there's like an eye contact thing, you know, and you do kind of feel like your opinion is less important that in certain environments, you're not able to openly express it as much. And after, yeah, because after a while, you kind of are like, well, what's the point of even saying something? Because they're not going to acknowledge it and they don't really care about what I have to say. And so you're aware you're aware of your gender being a problem, I guess. But then when you become a mom, it just it becomes even more of a problem because your your responsibility has doubled, if not like quadrupled, right? And then you're still working whether you need to or want to. It doesn't really matter. And then you've realized like all of these systems have not been built around supporting you. And it fucking sucks. <laughs> totally. I To just go off what you're saying, I feel like a really strong example or notion is when you're, let's just say, like in your 20s, and not having kids, uh-huh. you'll you'll see some gender imbalances. But for the most part, people kind of you're sort of this ambiguous figure, right? Where they almost treat you just like a man in many ways, right? Like at work or whatever. But it's like the act of having a child is what right. actually like people see you as woman, mom, like. Right. no longer in that category like it right. tra- it transitions the way society sees you like your sexuality how hot you are how 
what you how good you are at work like what an asset you are like the asset or like the way the lens that people will forever see you is as a mom and I feel like that entails all these like really entrenched like gender differences like at work you know I was an ICU nurse and I worked all of COVID pregnant all the COVID rooms doing all the CPR all the things and at first you know I was not pregnant and then as I began to show I mean straight up and not just men mostly women would come up to me and be like oh yeah, you don't really care about your job because you just want to get pregnant and like go raise babies. Like I actually care about my job. So like I would never have a child because I want to actually like hone in my craft and do my craft well. Like right, just did not care about me and my work. Like people looked down on me so hard because I, again, I was no longer this like asset. Like I was no longer like, oh yeah, she's going to be here for 20 years and then be a doctor and da da da. It's like, oh, She's just going to be one of those people who has a baby and then like we all know we can't rely on those people because they're just moms now and moms have no value here. You know, it's like. Is that because of the maternity leave thing or like why would they say that? That just seems crazy to me. Oh, not just like one, but like at least seven or eight nurses in my face like laughing. Like they would just say it because if I really cared about my career, I wouldn't derail it by having a baby. That's how they saw it. Ugh, yeah, that's that's hard. Yeah, and I feel like, and that's in nursing. That's like a whole woman's field. So I can't imagine a woman in a male's dominated figure, like an engineer or whatever. It's like I don't. You can kind of get by when you're single and no kids. People will sort of treat you like a man, but then, man, the second you have a kid, it's like, boom, you're just mom. You're just like. I don't know. And same thing, right? Like you could go to a bar or whatever or have opinions and just the way everyone's going to treat you is definitely significantly different. And that's when you're like, oh, okay, here's where the indifferences are really rearing their head. Yeah, I think that because I'm trying to think about how to, you know, make this conversation like constructive to the listener. And I think Mm. that I mean, you're, you're somewhat like preparing for that by, by listening to this and even realizing that this could happen to you and everyone's experience is different. But, um, I think that like having a mindset beforehand about like, if this happens to me, what am I going to say? And what am I going to do? And how am I going to feel about myself? Just so that you're a little bit more like, like there's a little bit more foundation to how that's going, how you're deciding, like how that's going to affect you. It, it helps. Um, for me, things were, were different. I mean, I was, um, you know, I, at work, I was the boss, so I could kind of dictate there, there was, okay. Other than the owner of the company and one other person, I, there wasn't really anyone that could, I don't know, like talk down to me, if that makes sense. So I was, and, and, and those two people were never at work. So in terms of my work environment, nobody, nobody could really like say or make any kind of comment about me being a mom. Cause I was calling the shots. Right. But 
But the flip side of that is that there was a, a, a level, it, it, it wasn't a lot, but there was a, a definitely some like shame on my side that, that came through, like in the way that I communicated, and you know, like there was an apologeticness about it, which I don't think needed to be there. Um, so, you know, for example, and, and it was like, I was a little bit em- sort of embarrassed. So for example, um, you know, I, I had to stay pretty heavily involved. Like I didn't get, just get to take like 10 weeks off. I mean, theoretically I could have, but I knew that the business would suffer if I did. And I was also really passionate about my work. So I was eager to get back working. And one of the things I did was with my second child, I, I brought her in with me in the beginning and it, it, you know, she was in that stage where she's basically like a little lump and she's sleeping most of the time. And I knew that I could for three hours, come into work, have a couple meetings, maybe even run a meeting, get some work done at my computer. And I would, I would carry her in like the little carrier and she would just be sleeping. And then when she woke up, I would, you know, quickly breastfeed her or whatever. And it worked, it worked out, but like, I definitely felt super awkward sometimes bringing her in and like, Oh, Hey, sorry guys. It's, it's me with my baby. And like, I'm a boss, you know, <laughs> like I can do whatever I want. And, and I was like, you know, I was, she was not disruptive. Like I, I know, I know I know boundaries. Like I know that people need to focus and get work. And here I am doing it again, you know, but like, I know that I wasn't bringing her in and she was like, there was nothing actually to be ashamed about or embarrassed about. It was just like, I felt super awkward being this mom person in an environment where I was also a professional. And, but I did it anyway. Cause quite honestly, I was like, dude, if anyone's going to normalize this, it's going to be me. I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to bring her in. She's not going to interrupt anyone. She's super cute. I'm lucky that I get to keep her on my chest and keep her close to me and still be able to go to work. But there was an ickiness to it, you know? Definitely. And I feel that, um, I guess maybe a main point for new moms or, or currently pregnant moms to, or whatever, to take away is your inner circle is super powerful. Like choose your friends and the people you spend your time with wisely because you want that inner circle of your career people to not be like the ones I was with, right? You want like your partner, like who your inner circle is will greatly magnify how sad or uncomfortable or normal you feel because Society's going to have a freaking field day no matter what, but it's like, if you feel comfortable with just your inner circle, like, I feel like you're so lucky your company was just kind of close and tight knit enough that like, it made it so like, it wasn't impossible for you to feel like, yes, I can be a mom and a businesswoman. And yeah, again, pick choosing who you spend your time with and who supports like the actual journey of being pregnant and postpartum is really cool. Yeah. And they don't, they don't have to be, you know, a mom themselves necessarily either, but just Uh, even someone to praise you for whatever like brave thing that you did that day or kind of confirm your, 
your, you know, frustrations with your workplace environment. Totally. Okay. Well, um, we've talked a lot about, you know, men's involvement and gender norms. Do you have any, like, what, what do you think makes your motherhood or postpartum situation unique? Um, I think what made it so unique was that I was just really blessed to have maternity leave. So I did get to spend the first, like, and a really long one at that. I had six months. I had six months of just paid maternity leave, uh, which my goodness, we need a whole other podcast about that because that is like a secret that no one tells you about. Like everyone, I, before I was a mom, I thought maternity leave was something you got with your company and it has nothing to do with your company. It just has to do with the federal government. So, um, yeah, I think it was just really special that I got like a really intimate, like first six months with her and I got to just super bond. I think that's what made it really unique for me. And not everybody, I'd say the majority of people don't have that situation, but I bet you there's so many more people that could have that situation if they just knew what, like, it's just a secret that no one tells you of how to get like maternity leave. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll, we'll, I'll provide some, some links and resources to that as well. Um, in the podcast notes. So, um, but, but what about, what about, what's your situation right now? Right now. (laughs) What was that sound? (laughs) Sound. Uh, right now I'm currently, um, putting together an ABC chart board because I am making a little preschool in my garage. So I am opening a licensed daycare just from just in the mornings, Monday through Thursday. Um, so that my child gets the Montessori experience and my incredible husband, he is the one who's going to be running it. And then I'm just doing the back end. And then I still work the, as a nurse. It's full time, three days a week, three 12 hour shifts. Um, and I also, bonus, I have his mother in law living with us, which I think for most people, their mother in law living with them is like their version of hell, but it's just <laughs> absolutely lovely. And I'm so blessed to have her support. So. It's not impossible for me and GL to, you know, have date nights and stuff. So really, I mean, we've come out the other end. It's it's really beautiful. Um, but there's still just, I'm still losing the weight, people. Like, oh, yeah. I'm losing the weight. I still have, my stretch marks are so much better. They're like silver now, but they're still there. Um, I don't know. I And again, like I said, if you were like, oh, Chelsea, like are you gonna open a Montessori preschool (laughs) Monday through Thursday no that was not my priority but with Layla like and adding her into the mix it now makes perfect sense and I'm really excited because it's just like I don't know something new and different that I get to do and I'm still doing my nursing despite all those mean ICU nurses I'm still working full-time good and um 
yeah that's where I'm at right now cool well is there any like last words of you know Chelsea wisdom that you can share with you know anyone listening right now like related to anything oh related to anything I'll narrow it down okay Uh, I'll narrow it down number one if you're a woman in general get yourself some financial education like you need to be in control of your finances that's that's a huge avenue to independence and it's a huge way to provide for your kid mm-hmm. number two we already that's said it, be very careful of your inner circle and like this and maybe not even just the humans in your life but the facebook instagram you know mm-hmm. or a tunnel that you hear like don't if it's gonna fucking piss you off to see all these women bounce back and they're like postpartum bodies and they're like look at me i'm climbing half dome like fucking don't follow that person you know mm-hmm. um, be careful of your inner circle and then i think the third thing is just know like nobody knows what the fuck they're doing literally <laughs> nobody knows so like <laughs> feel peace that you're literally on your journey and everyone's gonna have an opinion and you're gonna be disappointing for sure like a gazillion people in some way and the main thing is like do not disappoint yourself and really try to respect and honor the people you chose to be in your inner circle and like as long as you're doing that welcome to the freaking butterfly club you're in that's it like motherhood is a journey oh so good so good love it love it my wine just hit like (laughs) i'm feeling great the butterfly club part two has commenced and thank you so much for being our first guest ah no problem all right mama love you we'll talk soon